That's right. You are here for episode 147 of the Gamers Lounge. Uh, so this is uh, attempt number two, but that's okay. We're not going to keep count. So you'll believe it's attempt number two all day, even if it is not. Every once in a while, I like to keep you guys on your toes. As you've seen, the streak is continuing on. Uh, This episode was not late, released right on time, Monday morning. And uh, that is several in a row. I'm going to keep pointing that out. And to that end, um, I am not always going to let you guys, uh, you the listener, fall into this lull of thinking we're doing the same thing and it's predictable and you know it's coming. Uh, I am not going to let that happen. So... On this episode, we don't go to the shelf and grab a game that you may or may not have played, although you probably still have played this game because it is quite popular now, but we actually talk about a brand new game, Um, brand new, six months old, but hey, that's brand new for us. Uh, That would be Keyforge, the strange, every deck is unique, collectible deck game. Uh, Listen, if you're into Magic, if you're into Yu-Gi-Oh! and whatnot, you should listen to this. If you're not into those, that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to this just because this is a card game. You still should make a point of listening. Uh, I think it'll be quite eye-opening the way it's uh, the way the game plays out. Uh, This is a traditional Gamer's Lounge episode. We have a lot of chats about things that have happened in our games, so you can get a feel for it, intermixed with our review, which also talks about how it plays and whatnot. So I hope you've been enjoying the Gamers Lounge, and uh, let's dive straight into the episode. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, I am sitting in the Gamers Lounge with three... Sorry, two young chaps and one this distinguished gentleman who's my age. We're venerable. <laughs> the venerable dreadnoughts. Oh, boy. Who do we got? Alex. John. Benjamin. Hey, that was good. That was backwards for anybody that listened to the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so uh, today we are asking if anybody knows... A guy who's even older than John and I, Richard Garfield. Um, do you guys know Richard Garfield? Do you know where he came from? Oh, came from magic. Came from magic. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was spawned from magic. Spawned from <laughs> magic. <laughs> and I, I might be wrong on this. Did he also do Robo Rally? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Let us, uh, let us, to the Wikipedia! <laughs> Great radio, great podcasting. So, Richard Garfield is a game designer, and he is, I think, probably best known for Magic the Gathering. Um, however, holy crap. Okay, so uh, Magic the Gathering, Robo Rally, Vampire the Eternal Struggle, The Great Del Moody, Netrunner, Battletech... Uh, Star Wars the Trading Card Game. I'm skipping a couple here and there. King of Tokyo board oh, okay. game. Okay. Uh, King of New York. Bunny Kingdom. I don't think... You guys will 
Well, you guys may not. Somebody will experience Bunny Kingdom because that's sitting on my shelves. And then Key, you know, a couple games, and then Key Forge. So, um, yeah, he's a Robo Rally, the Robo Rally guy. Uh, but we're not talking about Magic or Robo Rally, really. <laughs> uh, rumor has it that Richard Garfield created this game called Magic. People started to get rich, you know, buying Magic cards and reselling them on eBay, uh, playing in Magic tournaments and doing all this stuff. And he realized that the game of Magic that he likes the best doesn't exist anymore. Uh, that's the rumor, right? Uh, but basically, mm -hmm. he wanted to move to a what-if-everything-was-a-sealed-deck tournament. And then he waved his Magic, pun intended, wand, and yes. got... Uh, Fantasy Flight Games to sink a bunch of money into a uh, sorceress voodoo machine of card printing. <laughs> Came up with 350 different cards that are randomly by machine learning technology, sorceress technology, put together into balanced decks and actually came up with Keyforge. Did I do a bad job explaining that? Um, What's Keyforge, Benjamin? You're the card player. <laughs> so, first thing about Keyforge, it's kind of like the first step for the robot overlords taking us over because, you know, they can now make our games for us. Um, with uh, <laughs> yeah. Speak nicely about the robot overlords. They vacuumed my office today. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no one speaks ill Skynet. They are near and listening. <laughs> but, um, no, Keyforge is really interesting. As somebody who's played a very good amount of Magic, who still keeps up and follows Magic on the competitive scene, it kind of takes, it takes the, the feeling that you have or that was kind of in early magic where everybody just had their, went out, bought some cards. They just had what they had on them, built some decks, you know, had fun. Um, and I feel a lot of that with, with Keyforge because of these randomly generated deck uh, that you get when you, when you buy Keyforge. <coughs> what do you mean randomly generated deck? So what happens is that... You, you literally... Buy a deck no one else has. Yeah, so the way that Keyforge is sold is you have two different products. You have a starter deck, which has two pre or the only two kind of guaranteed pre-made decks to teach you the game. Then every other way that you can buy Keyforge is you just buy a deck of Keyforge. And the interesting thing is when you open it up, it has a deck list. It has a name for the deck all in itself. And each of these decks are completely unique. Every single one you buy is not does not share one hundred percent of the cards with another deck, um, and uh, it's it's the cards. It's determined what's in the deck is by this mystical magical algorithm. Apparently, voodoo technology. <laughs> voodoo technology of the robot overlords. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's it's this very interesting concept of you don't like the deck that you got. Well, just buy a new one. And I think that's a, that is an important thing that we sh will come back and touch on. Ten bucks a deck. Mm -hmm. For ten bucks, you get a new deck. But ten bucks, you can play the game. Right. Right. Well, 
Yeah, ten bucks you can play the game as long as you don't want to play in a tournament with dice. That's a sanctioned tournament. But <laughs> so, so how does KeyForge work? I have a deck. I have these cards. What do I need to know? I think, as opposed to some of the other card games that come out here, this one's not super complicated as far as rules. It's pretty light. So your deck's going to be made up of three different houses. And then when you take your turn, you pick a house. And during your turn, you can play with any cards that are already on the table. You can play any of those cards in your hand that are of that house. And you can discard any cards of that house. But that's the only time you can discard cards. And the only time you can use those cards on the table unless you've got a special rule. Right. And each deck is 40 cards, right? Uh, I know it's an odd number. Um, is it an odd number? I think it's, well, maybe that's including the... 40 card decks. It might be including the reference card as well is what I'm thinking okay. of. But I know it's it's not like your typical size of a magic deck. It's, it's a... It's a pretty smallish deck in terms yeah. of, of games of a similar kind. And I found that most decks are fairly well distributed, fairly evenly distributed between the th three houses. Like, you're not getting a deck that has two cards of one house, and then everything else is of two other houses. Right? Right? Yeah, at least that is what I've noticed, is that it's... I mean, sure, you're going to have decks that are kind of the better cards, or maybe they're slightly more in one house or another. But in general, it's not like you have one or two super main ones and then a couple cards of a throwaway third house. It seems relatively pretty, at least card number-wise, pretty balanced between all three houses that you get. And the Robot Overlord seems to have done a good job making sure that everything is usable, even if... For example, one of my decks, I have a card that only is usable with a single other card in the entire deck. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but outside of that, like the rest of the things all seem to work together. Uh, power levels. What, what, do you, what do you guys think about the power levels of the... Like, what if I want to go out and get the be-all, end-all, most powerful deck ever, like I would in Magic, and I have a thousand bucks... I don't think I, I think all, I mean, most power level are distributed in equal I think because like the, for, for what, Benjamin the, says no <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that I play I was like they seem pretty they seem pretty equal uh, some, I mean some they could, could be like very OP but like they're not they're not like overpowered like very OP like like very like very OP I've seen an OP deck I <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to be fair, it's it's it go this goes back to the other thing though, right? They're all constructed. There's yeah. no that we're not building anything. So if there's a overpowered deck or whatever, somebody has to have already opened it and decided to sell it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you get you have to be the lucky one to draw it out. Yeah, but this one like you don't it's not like not like, like 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 other like other like card like like dead buildings and it's like it's already done for you like you don't have to you don't have to put in different things right you put, yeah put in yeah put in different cards that's that's, that's a cool thing about it like i don't like you don't have to 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 like it's already done it's already done for you it's like you don't have to like go get like pack of them and then go through like 
God, I got this, or I got this, or I got this. I'm throwing, a, I got this. I don't get this. I don't get. This. It's already set up. So, since I don't know very much about this, but I think Bill and Ben know a bit more. Why don't you guys tell us about the Horseman? Is oh. this sort of where the power issue starts to come into play? Oh, yeah, I, I'll be. I have a. So the Horseman. I guess we should. Mm. So, there is a set of cards out there, and there are four of them, and it is, each of them is named after Horseman. Horseman of Pestilence, Horseman of Death, Horseman of War, Horseman of Famine. I believe so. And they seem to be the new, they seem to be the cards everybody's getting very excited about as power cards. Um, they are strong cards. They are in a house that I think locally most people do not consider a strong house. Sanctum. Mm, uh, I mean, I, I haven't looked at much what the community says online, but for me, I think they're they're pretty solid. Um, they they certainly play in a very specific kind of way to get the most use out of them, but, but and, they're not awful. Right. Here's the thing that happens. Um, just talking about those specific cards. When you play a horseman card, the horseman of... Well, so let me take each one of them separately. The... Horseman of Pestilence, when you play him, and we haven't gone into the actions that have happened, but when you play him, when you fight with him, or when you reap with him, he does one damage to everything on the board that's not a horseman. Everything just takes one. Uh, the Horseman of... The Horseman of... That was... The Horseman of Famine, I think it is. So that was the Horseman of Pestilence. The Horseman of Famine, when you play him reap with him, or fight with him, he immediately destroys the weakest creature on the board. Doesn't matter who it belonged to, he destroys it. The Horseman of War, when you play him, fight with him, or reap with him. No, I'm sorry. When you play him, he doesn't have a fight or reap. When you play him, you can fight with every other creature on the board as if it was in your house, but now you can only fight with other creatures, which... There's a little bit on that. Then the Horseman of Death, when you play him, you go into your deck or into your discard and pull every one of your horsemen back and put them in your hand. Oh, so, yeah, that's <laughs> the other the, the other horsemen, in my opinion, are pretty tame compared to the last one that was described. He's the one that really kind of makes horsemen, horsemen define a deck. Now, here's the thing. There are decks out there that have... So a deck that has one set of horsemen, a horseman deck, just as a deck that has horsemen in it. A deck that has one set of horsemen, like I have a deck that has one set of horsemen. I would say it's a pretty mid-tier deck. It's strong enough, but it's fairly mid-tier. It's when you get to two sets of horsemen in your deck, or more, which could happen, that suddenly you have a lot of recursion of a set of strong cards. So that's where things can get tricky. But there's other cards that are kind of just as powerful or even more powerful. Yeah. And it's one I... of the things I've seen overall. So we should talk about so so we started to go in the mechanics and then we wandered off. Let me let me come back. So you get your deck, you have three houses. There's do you remember how many houses Benjamin are Total is it seven total houses? I think it's seven because it's 
Mars. So you got Mars, you got Shadow, you got Sanctum, you have Brobnar, you have Untamed. Dis. You have Dis. Um, is it only... Logos. Oh, Logos. Logos. I think that's it. So there's seven houses, unless we missed one. You'll get three, a combination of three houses. And again, it's it's machine, it's robot overlord defined what you get. Um, but nothing's off limits. So you'll get, you'll always get three houses in your decks. Um, <clears throat> there are artifacts. There are creatures. There are actions. And weapons. And upgrades. Yeah. Upgrades. Yeah. Not upgrades. weapons, upgrades. Upgrades. And again, you're going to, have a hand of cards. Hand is typically six outside of other special abilities. Um, you have a hand of six cards. You're going to declare a house, and you can play or activate or discard every one of the cards. You don't have to, but up to every one of the cards of that house in your hand in play and pretty much that in play. And So there are then, if you play an action... That's an action. If you play an artifact, it comes in. They don't use the term tapped because that would be copyrighted by Magic the <laughs> Gathering. Uh, comes in tilted. I think it's unreadied is the unreadied. term. Unreadied. Basically, tip to the side. You can't say exhausted because that's another term. Oh, <laughs> yeah. can't, not exhausted. Uh, yeah, okay. Come so <laughs> it, comes, it, it comes into the board un, unreadied. <laughs> tapped. Um, artifacts come in tapped. They'll and one of the things on this is like creatures will come in tapped as well. And then at the end of your turn, everything on everything readies at the end of your turn. Everything untaps on exhaust. Everything readies. Bows. Let's see if I have any more of these I can come up with. <laughs> um, and creatures can either fight or reap. Or take an action that's on their card. Or take an action that's on their card. Um, reaping gets you something called Ember. A-E-M-B-E-R. What's Ember, Alex? Ember. ember you collect this Ember. You need, I think you need six Ember. At the start of your turn. At the start of your turn. At the start of your turn, you reap, um, you reap, with, reap with a creature, Ember, or if some, are you pointing at Ember, you can steal their Ember. And you can collect you collect or you collect this ember to, to to forge the key. You got you need six you need, you got you got three keys. You need six ember to forge one key. And, and at the beginning of your turn, you check to see if you have six. If you have six, and there's no other effect that's stopping you, you must, must forge yeah, a key. Yeah, must forge a key. And the person who forges their third key wins. Hmm. Simple. Wow. But also, the game's called Key Forge. Key Forge. <laughs> but also, I was going to lead it in that way too. <laughs> also, it also, it also depends because me and Ben play. It all depends on what card, what other card, what other card you get. Because there is a card. It's like, it's like you need six, but your opponent, your opponent needs needs three more, need three more amber. Right. I, so there's, but just like any game out there. It's so like any game out there, there's effects. So certain cards work better together because their effects combine. Certain cards slow down your opponent. Some cards give you a larger hand size. Some card take away your opponent's hand size. Um, one of the balancing mechanisms in the game is, 
Again, at the end of every turn, you draw up to a certain number of cards. One of the balancing mechanisms in the game right now is the cards that have been designed to be more powerful give you what's called chains. Those chains, if you have any chains when you draw cards, you draw one less card or two or three, but depending on the number of chains, then you decrease your chains by one. One of the things that has been discussed is that going into the future as... Fantasy Flight starts to, through organized play, track the win-loss records of decks. Stronger decks that are winning more events or winning more often will be built in with chains to balance them out. They will just get less cards for a certain amount of time of playing the game. And, Bill, is there? there's another format where you're not bringing decks. It's truly a sealed format. I think, but we haven't seen it yet because there's a bit of a shortage of cards supply. Yeah. Right. Whereas what is, I think you go in, you buy two decks. Those are the only decks you're playing with. So I've heard, I've heard of a couple of different formats. One is just, uh, one is you buy two decks and, and not have to go into all the formats. We would need somebody. Do you, do you remember the formats, Benjamin? Uh, not particularly. I, there's, I think there's a, there's three of them. I think, um, I, one is pretty much your whole idea of, you know, uh, of a sealed sort of tournament. Um, and I believe it's, uh, two decks that you buy, I think. And it's pretty much, you play a tournament with just those decks. Uh, you have one where it is, I believe you just bring one deck each, but the interesting thing about it is that you play against your opponent and then you can in between rounds because i believe it's best two of three uh you kind of bid to on each other's decks well of- so that one that one you, i'm familiar with which is you buy everybody buys a deck mm-hmm. so everybody is is sealed with a brand new deck your first opponent you play your, the deck you bought they play the deck they bought second round you swap those decks and they play the deck you bought. You play the deck they bought. Third round, if one of those decks is... Well, third round regardless. But specifically, if one of those decks seems to be winning, like if the same deck won both of the first two rounds, you then bid chains to have your choice of deck. So I I will bid three chains to have that deck. No, no, no. I think that deck's good enough that I can go four chains to have that deck, which means that many rounds of drawing cards before I actually am able to draw a full hand of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, meanwhile, the crap deck, you're like, I'll just take it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's best two out of three. And then the other thing we've seen is bring three decks. It's best of three. And if you win with a deck, you cannot play that deck again in the round that you, like best of three. So I sit down with three decks, see the three decks. I pick deck A. If deck A wins, I cannot play deck A against you for the second game. I have to play deck B or C. <clears throat> now, what was interesting is in the in a recent tournament they did where we all brought our decks, but I think this is supposed to be also the format for buying two sealed decks you could you could play either deck you wanted in it was one round so each each round was best of one you play either deck you wanted but once a deck lost you were not able to play that deck in future games 
and it was basically double elimination. You were out when your second deck lost, and once a deck loses, you can't play it in any other games. So that was kind of interesting, too. So, you were going to say something, John? Nope, I was just going to go back to the double elimination you just talked about <laughs> the last tournament. Yeah. So, what are the characteristics of the houses, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> well, Come so- on now, you got to have at least one house that you like, and you're like, them my boys. Oh, this, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so, how would you characterize this? This is like the... This is that? This is that. <laughs> this is is like a dark, tricky kind of house. Kind of house. It's like it, they they mostly mess with your opponents. They mo- okay. mess your opponents, or like or like shadows. Shadows is like the it's like the like like the, like it's like it's like, the, it's like, the, like more like the thieves. They they take they take they take they take, they take amber. The most of the, the majority of them can take can take amber. Um, Dis and Shadow are certainly the two control, uh, uh, sneaky tricks, underhanded stuff. Was it? I think they do it a bit differently. I mean, what I tend to see is Shadow has a lot of what's called elusive, where it's very hard to engage them and fight them. But they're, but by the same token, elusive or not, a lot of their creatures are not very strong. No. A lot of them have abilities to like steal Ember or whatever. Dis, dis, dis. Everything in dis is all like strength is kind of. There's some really strong stuff. There's some really weak stuff. But everything screws with you somehow. It's either it's either their artifacts, their weapons. Like sometimes there are creatures, but most of their artifacts and weapons can change the game completely. Well, and you look at this, you take the succubus that's in this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of demons in this, demon-labeled uh, cards. The succubus says your opponent draws one less card. Uh, you know, they, yes. have, they, have a, they have an imp that basically says your opponent can only play two, can't play more than two cards in a turn. Mm. Um, little things like that. Like, they're all some sort of mess with your opponent type of thing. Yeah, so this is so the way I describe it is this is all about taxing your opponent's ability to be able to do things. So you kind of shut them off of, you know, being able to be at max effectiveness is the way they work. Shadow is a lot of messing with your opponent's resources rather than their ability to play. Mm. So that's kind of the way those two work. And they're kind of the main control houses. You kind of got a third one that I mean is more combo-y than control. You got Martians a little bit. They, uh, yeah, tell me about Mars. Mars is weird. <laughs> so their their whole shtick is that they love having other Mars cards. Mars builds on Mars. Yeah, Mars builds on Mars. So they'll have things for like you know for every Martian you have, you know you'll deal something damage for every Martian you have. Uh, you know you gain max amount of resources. So they're very out of all the houses, I'd say they're kind of like the combo house, really, where once you get all the correct cards out for Martians and all that. They kind of have these really powerful swing turns uh, based on you having all of these Mars, either cards out in play or out in your hand. I've also seen there's there's at least two cards I know of, and I think there's three cards in Mars that are show or reveal X number of Mars cards out of your hand and do this. Like two of them are reveal X number of Mars cards and do this much damage for that. Um, then there's some that are like, you know, pick up every Mars card on the table and you get a discount 
you know, fill your hand and you get a discount. So there's a lot of pick up, put down, move around. Yeah. So, um, yeah, certainly has that, the at least the idea of a traditional control thing where it's you aren't playing all your resources available to you all at once because you're looking to play things at the exact right time, especially for Martians because it's, you know, I could do a Martian turn where I play just all my Martian cards out and, you know, just try to put everything out and play. Um, but it's a lot of times it's you're kind of holding back because of these powerful combo things of I want to wait till the exact right turn to, you know, not play these things in my hand so that I can use these things of, you know, X Martian cards in your hand or uh, X Martian cards on the field and, and things of that okay. nature. Okay. So, John, not Mars, not Dis, not Shadow. So the easiest one to describe is called Brobnar. So Brobnar is giants, ogres, and goblins. They're like like red magic creatures. Yeah. Right? And I think they even have... Uh, what was the, the, the red dragon from magic originally? Shivan dragon? Shivan dragon. They have a Kelfer dragon or something like that, which is <laughs> just kind of like the same thing. Um, but it's like a cybernetic dragon kind of thing. So what they do is they they ha- they usually have either a lot of health, um, or they have a little bit of health, and then something bad happens to you if you kill them. But they're about beating things up, um, and they have some artifacts that give you resources when you beat things up, or let you beat things up more. Yep, fight, 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 fight more fight, fight. Yep, and usually a decent amount of health. Yep. So let me see. What does that leave me? Uh, logos. Logos. Untamed. Logos and Untamed. We haven't talked about Sanctum either. We haven't. Yeah. Mm. So Logos is all about drawing cards, having cards, manipulating cards, and manipulating your deck. They're really the the card draw. Card draw, card archive. Like, they have ways to set cards aside out of your hand that you can get back at a later time. They, it's, it's a lot of that. Like, how do I manipulate my deck? Which, by the way, so, horrible, horrible, horrible story. Just bad. And we talk <laughs> about strong combos. And this is one of those combos. Um, I was playing a game the other day. Anecdotal story for the listener out there. And the deck was heavily Logos. And they had the library card that says, draw a card every time you play a card. And they had a untamed card called the Nempthy Seed. They also had a shadow creature that let them use one of my artifacts. So, here's how this went down. My opponent played the library, which now said, every time he plays a card, draw a card. And effects in this game stack. He then played a card. That's a Logos card that says, use another creature. He drew a card out of his deck because he had played a card. He then used the shadow card to use my artifact, which was my Nemthy Seed, which says, sacrifice this artifact, so it goes into my graveyard, and pull a card back from your graveyard. So he pulled back the library. He played the library, he drew a card, and now he's drawing two cards every time he played a card. He then used his Nemthy Seed to draw his library back, to then play the library, draw two cards. Now he's drawing three cards every time he plays a card. And then he just proceeded to play cards. 
he didn't cross the, you're going to say the rule of six. I was just about to say that. He didn't cross the rule of six. He kept it at three cards. But now he was drawing. Every time he played a card, he was drawing three cards. But he did cross it. Did he? There is, you cannot activate the same effect more than, so there's this general rule in the game that's put in there to prevent sort of infinite combos and things like that. It's called the rule of six. You cannot play uh, creatures of the same name six times. You cannot activate abilities, the same ability six times, uh, regardless if it's on the same card or the same physical card or not. So he would have only been able to draw six cards at max that turn. Um, oh, so okay. There, <laughs> that is good to know because I mean, and we were playing in the online system, which didn't enforce that because it got to the point where he would he was drawing enough that he went through his deck, reshuffled, went through his deck, reshuffled. And at that point, I was like, I concede. Yeah, because that's. That is the purpose of that rule, so yeah. things like that don't happen. I mean, he still would have been able to draw six cards, it, which it is still gross. an incredibly strong turn. Gross. But there, if, if you're worried about, oh, some decks, you know, combo you off, there is at least, at least that can help you. Huh. Okay, so I, yeah, yeah, I mean, we were playing on the online system, which has bugs, but, and there is an online system to, to play that you need decks registered for. But um, it's not through Fantasy Flight, right? It is not through Fantasy Flight. It's a private, private system. So, but yeah, so Logos is all about manipulating your deck, manipulating cards. Um, Untamed and Sanctum. Who wants to talk about Untamed? Um, I guess I will. Um, I've had uh, a good amount of Untamed decks. Um, So Untamed is really interesting. You have um, sort of creatures rushing in. You have uh, creatures that will manipulate uh, the cost of keys for your opponent. You'll have creatures, or you'll have ways to actually bring creatures back onto the field. So they're very they're very creature-centric, very much about building a board of creatures. Not necessarily big, you know, huge guys, but um, a lot about sort of recurring creatures and putting multiple creatures into play, synergizing with having a good amount of creatures in play. At least that's, uh, you know, what I found with my Untamed decks. I also find that Untame has some of the large, some of the best ways to generate. I would say Untamed and Brobnar have the best ways to generate large amounts of Ember all at once. So my example for that would be: there's a number of ways. Uh, there's a couple of ways within Untamed where you can play a creature, and now, or you play an action, and every time you play a creature after that. You get an ember. Hmm. Uh, there's a creature that you put on the board that says every time you play a creature after that, you get an ember. Um, which, again, those cards work more than six times. I'd, I'd have to reread the we rules. we got to the rule of six. From, from the rulings that I have talked with people, I believe the rule of six basically applies to everything. Yeah, but we'll have to look at the rule of six. Maybe it's not exactly worded that way. Um, yeah, I saw a really interesting uh, Untamed deck where there were two creatures that went on the board, one that said every time, two or three creatures, one that said every time you play a creature, you get an ember, one that says every time your opponent plays a creature, you get an ember, and one that says every time a creature dies, the owner gets an ember. So you got them coming and going. So, um, Sanctum. John, you want to talk about Sanctum? Sure. So Sanctum are space knights, but not space marines. Right. So, um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and idiots from space. So, um, so they've they've got the whole um, sort of crusader knightly order thing going on, flying around almost like angels. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, so they have a lot of characters that have armor, which in this game is really simple. It stops uh, the first amount of damage it says it does. Yep. Each turn, and then after that, it goes away. Um, they have guys that shield other guys. They have a lot of dudes that capture Ember from your opponent. And what that means is you take the other guy's resource and you put it on your creature. However, when your creature dies, your opponent gets, gets it, it back. back. So they become a speed bump. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So one of the things I've seen about Sanctum is... They also have healing. They have healing, but they're very direct. Not a lot of combos. Not a lot, there's not a lot of, I play stuff and then I'm able to do stuff right away. There's a lot of, I play this, and then I wait. And then next turn, I do stuff with what I played. Like, they're very deliberate. They're very, that doesn't necessarily make them weak, but there's a lot of thinking. <laughs> I don't think you're going to surprise your opponent with them. Hey, there's not a lot of surprises. No, no. Uh, not alone. Uh, I think they combo well in with other houses. So, um, so Alex, you are all in on trying to get in and learn this game. Why? Podcasts. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I saw like it. It 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 blew up like big time, like like over like over Huzzah. like they, you, you can you can re- it's it's rarely in stock, and it just keeps keeps selling out mm-hmm. over and over again. I was like, oh, I'm gonna try it out. It was like it's like it's like everyone's like, oh, it's like it's like magic, but it's not like, but it's not, but it's not magic. It's like it's like, it's like all right. I was like, I, I played magic before. I was like, I, I thought it was okay, and I was like, well, I'm not, so I really want to check this game out. I really want to check this game out. So I, I was like, I was better, like, yo, let me get one, let me get one game, or let me get one game and let me check it out. I played one, I played one game with you and John. I was like, all right, I start, so I started it. I, I played, I played a game with Ben. I was like, okay, all right, I, I, I did. I, I really, I really like, I really, like, I really like this game. And man. I heard you beat Benjamin up in the, uh, in the uh, parking lot to take his deck. No. <laughs> no, 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 because I didn't, I didn't. I was trying to get, I was trying to get. I try to get, I try to get, I try to get a pack. And it was like, dude, minutes like, all right, we got, we got packs in. Coming the next day, completely sold out. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, I need. So I was like, when they come out, and then Bill's like, well, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got one. I don't, I don't, I don't. Did, I don't did like you give him a good deck, or did you give him like one of your crap decks, or do you want not want to say with Alex in the room? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It is probably one of my better decks, but it's the way that it plays, I'm just not a big fan of. It's kind of, it is very based around kind of playing, quote unquote, a fair game, but doing it really, really well, where it's just about, I play creatures that are hard to deal with. I'm going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to fight your guys. So and just you don't want to play a fair game? <laughs> when do I ever want to play a fair game, Bill? <laughs> I think something else with this, um, since anybody can stock this thing, a lot of people I've heard going to other retailers and picking it up that's not your local hobby stores. Right, Barnes & Nobles stocks it. Um, 
I was asking about where the local Barnes and Nobles was as a joke last night at another game store. And they were like, and there's also a Target. I'm like, wait, Target stocks this? Like, oh, no. Like, why don't you tell me where the Target was? (laughs) (laughs) And I know that, you know, Target stocks some good games. They stocked, you know, Pandemic and Carcassonne and... I've heard they're starting to build up on that, so they might. But I do know Barnes & Noble's apparently stocks Keyforge and your local hobby stores, Huzzah Hobbies, stocks Keyforge. But if you go to Barnes & Noble, they're not going to run you a tournament. That's true. That is true. And you're not going to find other players. John, why did you get into Keyforge? I played Magic a long time ago. I really liked the idea of a constructed format um, that was unique. Hmm. Okay. So it was sort of what Magic promised, but without the price tag. So yeah. I've bought three decks. And I've got my money's worth out of it. I can play with my son. He can enjoy it. Um. And, and, you know, at this point, I'm good with the game, with whatever happens. So you, okay. Benjamin, why'd you buy into Keyforge? Because it was cards. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, Bill. <laughs> so I, I guess I kind of have a little bit of a reputation of being a card game guy. Um, majority of the, well, I guess they're not really board games, but majority of the games that I own are at least card-based. So I, I just have a thing for card games. Um and uh, I had no idea that Keyforge exists until I walked in the shop one day, and hey, it was pre-release for Keyforge, and Bill was sitting over there with it, and John was sitting over there with it. I'm like, that's ten bucks, sure, why not? <laughs> All the cool kids are doing it. I know. That's why I did it. So, so Ben, have you played the miniature game that has cards? The miniature game that has cards. Bill will have to show it to you later. Oh boy. <laughs> Which one? Moonstone? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, there's two of them out there. One of them I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about on the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Moonstone. <laughs> yes, Moonstone has cards. Ooh. Yes. Um, <laughs> ooh. But it's really bad to say. I actually got into Keyforge because all the cool kids were doing it. Was it a Fist of Dragonstone? Fist of Dragonstone. Fist of Dragonstone. Yeah. Dragonstone. And we saw the thing. He's like, Keyforge. like, I want to play that. It's like, I want to say, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like I, I'm dim on this game, but I really want to play that. Okay, so, so Alex called me out. You're right. It wasn't because all the new kids were doing it. It's because it was new and shiny. And, and if you want Bill to do something. It's new and shiny. <laughs> no, I, was, I, was, I was like, everybody was like, oh, man, it's like, it was like every time I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I was like, I, was like, I, I want to play it too. <laughs> So let me see if I can pull this off. How many decks in are you right now, Alex? <laughs> right now I'm at one. One. And I'm, why is that? Because you couldn't buy any. Yes, but I'm. But when they come out, go back and stock, I am going to get. I am going. John, to you're at three. I'm at three. And you're good with three. I'd like a couple more. That was a proper pause, things. sir. <laughs> that was a properly respectable pause. Well, are we gonna play? Are we gonna play list chicken here? <laughs> So, 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 so you, are you guys double digits? Um, <laughs> that's a good posture. Registered decks, or <laughs> I mean, so I bought a starter set, which was one of the very few, very scarce starter sets, and the starter set came with two pre-built decks and two real decks. So I started technically with four. But I don't think we should really count 
the pre-builds, right? Oh, of course they, not. They count. They count? Yeah. Then I'm at double digits. <laughs> so, But I'm I, only at 10, low double digits. <laughs> See, I have some restraint. Benjamin, make me look good. Uh, <laughs> so, surprisingly enough, I haven't gone super deep into it. I, I did have three decks. I'm now down two because I donated one deck to Alex. But um, it's just more of I haven't... You just made it so I have to donate a deck to Alex. <laughs> Is that the game we're playing? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, clearly that's what the listeners like. Wait, Bill's at ten decks and he hasn't given up a deck to Alex yet. We don't understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I'm I'm surprised at how. Uh... It's just the thing is is things like this I buy more into the more that I everybody around me is playing it and. There's just been so many different board games and stuff that um, I've been playing that it's just been more of, do you want to play some more Keyforge? Or do you want to play this really new, fun, shiny board game? I've already played some game of Keyforge, which is really fun, but hey, new and shiny's over here. So that's more <laughs> of the reason why I haven't gone as heavy. I'm down with you on that. See, some of us, <laughs> some of us may have <clears throat> an acquisition disorder. <laughs> and... Keyforge is really bad for people with an acquisition disorder because oh. every deck is unique. <laughs> I did. I did. I saw, I saw somebody come like when me and Ben playing. It was like I was like I don't have I don't have, I don't have a deck to play. It's like but like I had, somebody came up. was like got like five or six in the hands. Like pick one. I'm just like <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> oh boy. Well, one thing about it is you can almost count it on as being a common filler game. Oh yeah. Between other things. You know, like Bill and I we were gonna um run another game um that's become semi regular. We were waiting for everybody to show up, so we played two games Keyforge yeah. while we're waiting for the rest of the other players to show up. And it's something you can like I throw my box in the trunk of the car and I'm good to go. Oh, yeah. yeah, and technically you can throw a deck in a sandwich bag. Yep. And then all you need are counters. Counters. Cool thing about it is like it's 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 a fairly quick game. It's 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 you say that. <laughs> keep in mind, I already played two games. You say that. Keep in mind, I already played two games. Keep in mind, I already played two games. But the games I the games I played, they, were, they seemed pretty quick. So one of the ideas behind KeyForge is that you can. Buy a deck and learn your deck very well. I am not 100%. I agree with that to an extent, but not 100%. Um, when I played Magic, I know that I could go in and build a deck. And the trick to Magic, which I know has gone away because now you have these world champion paid players who create winning decks and combos. But the trick when I played and those things didn't exist were... I want to create a, a combo of cards that maybe somebody else hasn't thought of. I'm looking for a secret sauce combo. And then I put enough cards of my combo into the deck to make the, the statistical chance of my combo come up higher. And then I'm playing and I know what combo I'm looking for. Now, part of that idea is the same for Keyforge. I play my deck enough that I learn whatever combo the robot overlords have worked into my deck. And then I know when to play certain cards or not. 
I have not experienced that as much yet. Now I'm starting to see it a little bit as I play a bunch more games, but not as much as I would expect. Have you guys seen that at the different amounts you've played? So for me, um, there was one deck that I say, no, I didn't see that at all. I just kind of, you know, played what came up, played what came up really. And just hope for the best. Uh, my other deck uh, that I have, that is the one that I really enjoy. Um, there was, there is that because there is kind of a little combo engine that once I played it enough times, it was like, oh, if I can get this online and working, I can really, you know, power out some incredible amount of resource and end the game really quickly. Um, so I think John likes to call that KeyForge money. KeyForge <laughs> money. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. I think unfortunately because of the nature of it being randomly generated decks that yes you're going to see some decks that really have some play to them that are you know very much oh if you can understand the underlying sort of strategy and mechanics that this deck wants to abuse you can have a better player really make you know significantly better results with this and i think unfortunately some of the decks that are randomly generated don't have enough of that combo and synergy that it really is just I'm going to play what is the best option available to me at the moment without much that much of a long-term plan outside of just basic universals in the game of, oh, you know, um, I need to do this before my opponent does this. Not necessarily I need to do this so I can set this up for my deck. You know, that makes just sense. More of just smart moves in general rather than something that is a move personally tailored around how your deck plays. Anything to add to that, guys? When it first came out, it seemed like everybody was on pretty much the same page. Um, but, and I don't know if it's because people are playing the same decks over and over, or if people have identified certain combos, or to me, to a certain extent, I, I need to figure out how other people's decks work before I do certain plays. Um, and that's, and I need more experience with doing that, but I... It seemed like everything was sort of um, at an even keel when the game first came out. Um, and then I didn't play it for a while. And then I tried to play it again. And Not it was so a much. little, yeah, it was a little rough. <laughs> yeah. I, so actually, I, I identify exactly with what you're talking about, John. I notice uh, our friend Josh. I don't even know how much he has or hasn't played this. But somehow Keyforge has resonated enough with him that I, at this most recent tournament, actually, I'm sitting down next to Josh and Josh is like, I'm like, hey, by the way, is there anything I need to watch out for? He's like, well, you need to check their deck for. And he proceeded to list off like 18 cards. And I was like, dude, you lost me on like the second card. Like, why am I watching for the? He's like, oh, well, if it's this card, this card, or this card, then you need to worry about this and this and this. And if it's these two cards, you need... and he somehow worked into his brain, he's memorized some set of power cards out of the 350 that he feels if that card or some combination of those cards is in the deck, that's going to be the power combo and it's going to be a winning deck. Now I'm nowhere near that yet. I don't know how to counter crap, but the fact that he's come in second or third in one tournament and first in the other I've been to him with, there's got to be something there. I'd almost go and say that's not what the game designer intended. I don't you think to so have either. That view of the meta. I think he intended it basically for everything to be a new experience for you. 
Yeah, I I would agree with that. I'm also thinking as like repetition. I think he, if he, I think that he's been to multiple like um um tournaments to get they figure out that amount of cards that quickly. Yeah, because the game, because the game hadn't been had been out that long. So the fact that you know that much cards at a short amount of time that you either did research. Or you, or you, play, or you play, or you play, or you play these cards to know them by heart, right? Well, and I'll say I'm running into a couple of cards now that I'm starting to see. We talked about the Horseman before, um, Arise, which is a great card that gives you all your yes. stuff back. You know? <laughs> like, there's a couple of cards out there that I'm like, oh, okay. Then there's other stuff where I'm like, he played that, huh? That's cool. He played. Oh crap! What just happened? Mm. Okay, that was bad. And I've seen that across the table for me as I go, and that's my third gauntlet of power, gauntlet of command. Oh. Gauntlet of command being a card that lets you fight with another. So there, there's something else, order of operations. Um, and this comes up. So I have a card that says, ready one of these creatures and then fight with them. It's a Brobnar card. So if I declare, what's interesting is if I declare Brobnar and I, I reap or fight with this, with this card, so one of my creatures, then I use this gauntlet. The way the order of operations works is it says ready. So I ready my creature. And it says fight with him. Well, if there's no, nothing for him to fight on the other side, I'm free to do whatever I want because it's still a Brobnar turn and I just ready to Brobnar creature. So if there's nothing to fight after I've killed everything off, I can then reap and then use the next gauntlet and ready him and reap. So there's some order of operation that's interesting with the mechanics of the game that I found um, intriguing. Yeah, so it's coming from a magic background. It's interesting where kind of th th simplify it for the rules of magic. It's you know you kind of have to do every be able to do everything on the card kind of in order to use the card. Right. Well, in Keyforge, the interesting part is you resolve as much as the card as you, you possibly can. can, and anything you can't, well, you just don't do it. And but you can still play and resolve the card. Now, by the same token. They've also played around with that. So, for example, there's a card in Logos that says, do do tam two, two damage to a target creature, then two, two, do two damage to another creature. Well, if I have one creature on the board and you have one creature on the board, I now have to damage my own creature because I have to do it to another creature if there's another creature available. It doesn't say enemy. Mm -hmm. So there's, I, I think they're playing around with that, but it, it makes for a different feel for the game. I've seen some sour grapes online because the impression that people had is that once this came out, Fantasy Flight stopped supporting Netrunner. Which really, I feel like they stopped supporting Netrunner way before, way this. before this. I think that <laughs> Netrunner lived a long life. Yeah. Or uh, I think it was an excellent game. Um, and I enjoyed playing it. And the legacy version of it was... That was fun. Was Yeah, was, was really good. And that's the direction I wish that they had kept going with it. Um, I think even if you did, like, legacy tournaments, hmm. that would be an amazing, you know... That would be really cool. But I would say they dropped off the support of Netrunner when L5R came out. And now I hear very little about L5R, but Keyforge is out there. Right. But I think what? Fantasy Flight is 
a smart company. I think they understand they can only have so many products because there's only so much shelf space available. Right. Benjamin, you're grinning like a Cheshire cat over there. Um, I'm just, you know, thinking to myself about this. of All the card games you have in your house. So I have, you know, L5R. haven't played that and it's probably since it got released, to be honest. I have, you know, Keyforge out. Um, haven't gotten to play much of that and just kind of laughing and grinning to myself of all these games that, you know, start up and then this sort of competitive scene sort of builds around it. And it's actually been, I don't know, kind of, uh, I guess, diminishing my desire to play hmm. it because I, I, I keep trying to recapture that feeling that, um, of like starting magic, which was very much, you know, in the sort of design document, like first line of Keyforge and all that of, you know, this new experience and you just, do with the cards that you were dealt with and stuff like that. And I tried to get with that with L5R because I really like the the sort of thematic setting and stuff like that of it. Played it for a little bit, and then, you know, suddenly it was just, these are the sort of decks or styles you play. If you don't play that, well, then... See that, what you just said there? I think that's one of the things. The last game of L5R I played was at Adepticon last year. I had a great game of L5R. I really it just had a very, uh, maybe that wasn't my last, but it was pretty close to my last. Had a very enjoyable game against a good friend of mine. What got me was he, not meaning anything negative, looked at the deck I have, which has been assembled from, I chose not to go competitive. I didn't buy three starter sets from the beginning and everything else. And he looked and went, oh man, you need to improve that deck. I'm going to send you a net list and you just need to buy these cards and get to build. And I was like, well, that just took all the wind out of my sails. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And and all of a sudden, I'm, even though I didn't want to do that, and this isn't necessarily what's happened, let me say that a different way. No, this didn't have to necessarily happen. But for me, sort of like you just said, you have to play these certain decks in this certain way. I'm like, well, is there even a point of playing it then? Which I don't think Keyforge, well, by its nature, Keyforge can't run into that. Mm-hmm. You get what you get. But it, it's more of the whole idea of, I guess, if you're playing like Keyforge in against people who are really competitive about it, they have, you know, their very specific deck that they bring, or you bring it to like a constructed tournament, and there are just kind of, as much as you like kind of the flavor or the mechanics of this deck, it is, you know, just not competitive <laughs> is the thing just about that. Just not good. And um, that's... Uh, I don't know. A lot of these these card games that I've been playing recently, trying to you know, kind of recapture that I guess schoolyard feeling that I had with Magic. You know, where kind of everybody kind of feels like an even playing field. You know, it's you build stuff based on what you like and all that, or play stuff based on what John, you like. He just played. He just said he played Magic in the schoolyard. <laughs> I don't think he knows what year Magic came out. So here, here's here's the fun part, Bill. <laughs> Magic came out the year I was born, 1992. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so I'm the young whippersnapper in the room here. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it was, pile on, Alex. <laughs> it was it was there it was there in middle, it was there when I was in middle school. There was people out there people were playing I was like really like it was 
I see people like see people like pull packs out. I was like, oh yeah, we'll play. I was like, ah, I never got never got into it. The year like, he was born, nineteen ninety two. Uh huh. Get off my lawn! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Do you guys think Keyforge has staying power? Are we going to be playing this six months from now? Eight months from now. Are we going to be playing this in June of this year? Are we going to be playing this as much in December of this year? And are we going to be playing this next March? All right. So we already talked. It's, it had a big spike when it came out. I don't yep. know if you call it hype or anticipation when it came out. People wanted it to be something. They thought it was, so they bought into it. There's been... Uh, supply chain issues yep. for the local hobby stores. And I think at the time of this recording, you still can't buy a starter set? I think no. so. No. I, last, time, like, last time I went, there was no no starter sets, no 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 regular packs, no nothing. Okay. Now, the, I have the Keyforge tournaments locally, have they been growing? They have. They have. What I don't see, for, and it's weird to me, I don't see people playing it in the hobby store when I go into the hobby store. And I'm getting the impression that because it's kind of low-key and talking to folks, people are playing it with their roommates and their friends, and they don't really feel a need to have a the same sort of community that you need with other games that you have a big buy-in. Yeah, 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 that is true. Just like I, when we, we went to when we go to when I go to Huzzah, I was like, I don't see much people playing Key Four. That's what I was most like. It's like, yo, let's play some Key Four real quick. Let's 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 try it out. It's like, I see like when it first came out, I saw a couple of people. I remember, I remember, I'm I, I saw a couple of people like like we uh, we were all playing board games. I saw I saw two people behind a table behind behind us. They like they were, two people was playing was playing Key Forge. Um. I think I don't think it was it will still keep going. Also, I like all it has runs all depends on the supply and demand. If they're going to keep it's going to keep supply you know supply stuff. Second thing is, um, if they're going to do any uh if they're going to do any um uh upgrades or any uh add-ons, yeah. Because like yeah, right now we 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 have we have seven we have seven factions. Like if they add like like if they like later on they add like another faction in, or 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 how or I think uh, I think what they what they talk about they would put do like an errata. Yeah. They put yeah. do like a they put do like an errata sir. And they did do a new errata. Is it errata? Mm. Yep. They've done two. Yeah. But um, one of the things I've noticed it has been a very common game to see. On Magic Night, people will be, their game will end quickly, you know, they'll be in draft or, you know, their constructed formats, their game will end quickly, and they just want something to do in between rounds. They'll pull out Key Forge for a fun time. Um, so it's more of, I see a lot of that, um, that there's not really the, hey, this is Key Forge day, everybody come out. It's just more of like, we have some downtime. Let's play some. Um, of course, people come out for when it's like Keyforge Tournament Day or something like that. But I don't really see a lot of people, you know, jamming games out um, sort of on Keyforge Night or something. 
So as far as the tournaments, I could very quickly see the people who are interested in being competitive, sort of that getting narrower and narrower in the tournaments as far as taking your pre-selected deck. If they start doing more sealed blind buy tournaments, I think that would gate more people. The more point. people having more interest. Challenge being they have to have the stock of that's, that's decks true. Yes. Yeah. to do to, the to blind do buy. Now, um, the nice thing about that is that's definitely a boon for your local Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As oh, opposed yeah. to going to your Barnes and Noble, you know. And I absolutely see it being very, 10 bucks is such an easy buy-in. It really is. I mean. I, the thing is, that's cheaper than a Magic Craft. Right. Yeah. And 10 bucks is, 10 bucks is a brat and a beer at Huzzah. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's a little bit less than 10, but I mean, still it's, you know, it's it's such an easy buy-in for a fair amount of play. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get a horseman duck and you can go eBay it. Yeah, the thing is, for me, is I see the the longevity of the game is probably not going to be in the preset bring your deck sort of thing. If we're seeing sort of long-term what people come out to game stores to do, um, I'm definitely going to see it if they can get, you know, their supply issues all done. I imagine this game is probably going to be much more for sort of sanctioned events much more popular on the sealed side of things because I imagine that people are going to get really tired of facing against uh, repeatedly the same kind of decks in their meta is is one big thing um, but uh, like like fi- like, fi- like fighting the sit like fighting the same the same factions uh, I, I would almost say the same decks um so I have eight decks that, yeah, I have the 10, but I have eight that I play regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of cool that there is a website out there, the Crucible, that has been created that you can import decks from the Fantasy Flight site onto mm-hmm. and play with. I have constrained myself to only playing with the eight decks I have. Mm-hmm. Well, I still enjoy playing Keyforge. I want to go buy a couple more decks because of the eight decks I have. Two of them I'm not really excited about playing. The other six are pretty good. And I feel like I have played through most of them enough that I want something new. Now, I also get bored quickly and have a bit of ADD when it comes to playing the same things repetitively. There's very few games I mean, it's, it's worse with food and whatnot, but there's very few games that I can go play a dozen games and not be like, oh, okay, I'm ready for a change, right? It's why I own so many Guild Ball, you know, teams. It's why, you know, I in all these different things, it's why I, I kind of look at things differently. I enjoy campaign games, which are constantly growing and changing. I kind of know a lot of my decks, and I get to the point now where it's like, Huh, if I had another deck, that would be the one I'd be going to right now. Let me see, which one have I played the least recently? Well, okay, we'll say, we'll call this, you come out with a new process to create a new product. This you is your grow first it. swing at it. I think you can improve it. Yeah. You know? Um, and if they do a Keyforge version 1.5 or even 2.0, how are they going to do that? 
as opposed to adding just more cards to the mix, did they also add some limiters to known combos that are a bit more powerful or... That's a um, really good question. Or other ones that might be a bit underpowered. Like, for example, Bill, you were talking about Untamed, and there's a card in Untamed that gets you um, Keyforge money when you play creatures. Well, I've got that in the deck, and I've got, like, three or four Untamed creatures. So, right, yeah, you so don't have eight creatures. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's not amazing for for that one instance. Um, and then if you do create this, do you have the new hotness? Do you want that to be compatible with the old? And it bad thing is, is that 10 bucks a pop, could Fantasy Flight just say, so sad, so sorry, buy into Keyforge 2.0? You've got it figured out a little bit better it's now? It's pretty easy to go that way. Bless you. Oh boy. Uh, tried to stay away. You guys could have talked over that. That's a really that's a really good question, right? And it's easy it's easy to say, okay, walk away and start buying these new decks. But if you don't make them compatible, there are people out there who have been like I, I've already met one guy at a tournament who he bought in for 30 decks before he opened his first. There's been people that have shown up at our local store and we're very excited because, wait, can I buy a case? Right? Uh, it's very easy to go onto eBay, or not eBay, onto Amazon right now and buy and spend 120 bucks and get 12, right? Buy a box. And I've heard that some people are Barnes & Noble's members, so they get a discount, yep. so they will... At a discount. Yep. So you have people that have invested into a case. So at this point, which which part of your community do you walk away from? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. That's a it's it's a tough call, and it's something they're gonna have to change. I was checking, I thought they had announced I guess not. I really thought uh Fantasy Flight had announced the next cycle. But uh what they've announced is a new set of tournaments. And the other side to this is if everything was rated and you had your built-in chains, these some of the decks that may be a bit stronger, stronger would be recognized. But right now, at the way it's played, two people just sit down and they play a game. So you've got no and idea. And that's what this... Yeah. So this new type of tournament that's coming out... So we're recording end of January. Uh, this podcast will probably be out... Mid February ish, maybe early March. Um, so by the time this podcast comes out, and people are listening. It is most likely that the key bound, key forge, key bound of, I don't know, the new event format will be out where you actually track wins losses and then apply chains to decks overall. One of the things that's supposed to be updating is, um, you're supposed to be tracking your wins and losses in the app on your phones or at the store. And that will, you know, sort of the bid, bid chains and everything else. And you'll start to see decks improve, get, you know, limited and stuff like that. So 
we'll see where that goes. I mean, that could be a way to generally fix things. Uh, Keyforge, you walking away from it anytime soon, Benjamin? Um, it's always a nice game to, you know, just pull out when you just have a short amount of time. So it at least is going to always be in sort of that arsenal for me of just, hey, we got some quick time. Let's play some Keyforge. Do you find it, do you reach for Keyforge before, after, or equal to how often you reach for a pre-made magic deck or a pre-made, um, Netrunner or L5R deck? Um... At least recently, I'd say it's been been Keyforge. I don't know if that's going to be in the future, but okay. um, I've been having more fun with Keyforge. John, walking away from it? I'm not going to walk away from it, but I don't play it a whole lot. How about you? If you have a choice, if we sit down, I mean, you and I both have Netrunner decks. We both have L5R decks. Oh, I don't have L5R. You don't have L5R. We both have Netrunner decks and Keyforge. If we show up at the store and have both of them in the trunk, which are you reaching for first? I would go with Keyforge because it's easier than Netrunner. Um, Netrunner's not... I haven't been thinking about it since we did our Legacy The format. Legacy. Now, if they come out with another Legacy format, I'd play that Legacy format for Netrunner to completion unless I'm playing I can a see filler that. game yep. of Keyforge. How about you, Alex? You used to want more decks. Yeah, I'll just start it. So no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving it. I'm not leaving anytime soon. If the listener has extra decks, Alex <laughs> at sendmefreedecks.com. dot <laughs> com. Starting up a donation page, guys. <laughs> we need this to happen. Go from <laughs> go from me page to be nothing but. <laughs> <laughs> Keyforge. I need go find me Keyforge. <laughs> <laughs> it's paying Keyforge decks. <laughs> I actually like Keyforge better than I liked. Not mechanically. I didn't enjoy it. I know I'm not enjoying the games more than L5R and Netrunner, but it is easier for me to reach for. And I don't have to worry about keeping up to date on cards and then constructing decks. And I like, I'm actually enjoying, yes, Benjamin, as I get older, I'm actually enjoying <laughs> taking that load off of my brain. Of having to think through building decks and just leaving the load of let me try to figure out how this deck works. So, so that's Keyforge. Mm-hmm. Say bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 I hope that was an enjoyable episode for you. Uh, traditional, very classic gamers lounge, going all the way back to the day of lots of talking and rambling, lots of stories, talking about how much fun our games are, and hopefully convincing you to go spend your hard-earned money on buying frivolous games because, well, it's the gamers lounge. What's better than gaming? We just don't know here. So, if you enjoy the show, please help other people find us. Uh, I really want to get the word out there, get, you know, that one listener ramped up so he's downloading the show a couple of thousand times. Uh, You can find us on iTunes. We're the sexy microphone. Uh, Please go ahead and leave some feedback there. 
and uh, you know comments, reviews. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can always email me at bill at gamerslounge.coda.net. If you are in the local area of Ashburn and you're listening to this before the end of April, uh, go out and get a ticket to the Spring Fling. That is board games. There's actually a Keyforge tournament sealed deck going on there, 16 people. And the Keyforge deck is part of your admission to the convention. Uh, convention tickets are $25. It It's a good deal. It should be a good time. And, hey, I hope to see everybody there. Uh, that said, well, I guess that's it. Let's play that sexy, sexy microphone gamers lounge music. <laughs> 